Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Well, hello and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting Season 5. Hi, Robert. Hi, Brad. How are you? I am splendiferous. You are splendiferous. You're it's, wearing a different peg, what, what is it? Yeah. Patagonia hat today. I'm so proud of you. You read that. It's a long word. It is. It's a big word. Yeah. It is a Patagonia hat. And for those people who are just listening on SoundCloud or iTunes, that's great. But if you tune into the YouTube YouTube channel, you could actually see this splendiferous hat that I'm wearing. Why do you wear like a, a brand that is like makes so many other people feel less than? I mean, it's a great hat. But there's some people that can't afford that. Are you just not thinking of those people that are of less means than you? I mean, you're flaunting this Patagonia thing. You know, I think it's more of a, I think it's more of an insecurity that's coming out right now. Perfect. And I, I have, you know, I've sort of wrestled with it. It makes me feel better about myself to now wear a hat somewhere. that might live longer than I do. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. Uh, Patagonia. I mean, it's on my bucket list. There's a reason I'm wearing Patagonia this season. I want to go down to uh, Patagonia, to some of the mountains in the national parks. Is that uh, Mexico? No, it's not. It's its own, <laughs> its own area of Argentina. Um, yeah, so there's there's these amazing glaciers down there, and I, it's on my bucket list. But, Robert, I've noticed that you've never shown or shared with us why you're so addicted to Apple products. Is that like a Steve Jobs heroic worship thing, or are you over that? No, they just work. Oh boy. And yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. So there's two kinds of people like dog people, cat people, there's like Apple people, and then there's PC people. Yeah. If you enjoy struggle. So you're a cat person, is what you're saying. PC. No, I'm not. Oh, I think so. So Robert, uh we've been doing just a fun little thing this season, and we've been asking questions about ourselves. Can one of you grab that clipboard for me? So I need you to pick a number this time, because I picked a number last time. Okay, number four. Number four it is. If you could pick up a new skill in an instant, what would it be? Hmm. Um, uh, if I could pick up it, I would have to say speaking Italian. Oh, that's actually fantastic. All right, I'm not going to tease you about that. Okay. I think that's great. Um, I would love to just learn languages like that. You know, like they did in the Matrix and the guy just st stuck the thing in the back of his head and he knew Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. I want to know language like that. Yeah, Anyway. Well, you know, one of the great things about being on a podcast and talking with people who are experts yes. is that instead of learning Kung Fu or Italian in a second, uh, we can actually talk to people who have spent a lifetime working with certain issues so that they're the expert and we can just learn from them. Absolutely. And it's so today's true. guest is definitely one of those people. Uh, he is the, the founder and CEO of Dare to Share. His name is Greg Steer. He's from Avada. Is that right? Arvada. See? See? He didn't get that right. It's Aveda, Colorado, which I've learned is between Boulder and Denver. We apologize, Greg, but welcome to the program. Welcome, Greg. Glad to have you. Ar Arvada. It's Arvada. See, that Colorado. sounds like Nevada to me. It's throwing me. All right. I'm going to try. I'm writing it down phonetically. Thank you, Greg, for being a part of our silliness. And uh, in all seriousness, we're glad to have you. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about what you do and um, what led you to, to doing what you do. So 
I work with a ministry called Dare to Share, and we train and equip teenagers how to share the gospel, train youth leaders, how to build what we call gospel advancing ministries. And my entire family was reached by a ministry that was gospel advancing. I was raised in the inner city, never knew my biological father, Mm -hmm. very violent, kind of sons of anarchy type of home growing up. Really? And, uh, Internet, a lot of my family members in and out of jail, a lot of just physical violence. Uh, my family li- loved to fight. Um, and one day a preacher from the suburbs reached out to the city on a dare, reached my toughest uncle with the gospel. And then they felt like steroid-filled dominoes after that. And I was just a little guy, but I got involved with the church they had a killer youth ministry that trained us, equipped us, mobilized us to share the gospel. We had 800 students in our youth ministry, only 300 adults in our church. Wow. Uh, but this this preacher, whose nickname was Yankee, even though he spoke with a Southern accent, his nickname <laughs> was Yankee, he believed that the fastest way to reach a city was through the young people. So he trained, equipped, and mobilized us. And so... <laughs> I pastored a church for about 10 years, started Dare to Share on the side, was a church planner, but I just always believed in the power and potential of young people. And then after the Columbine High School shooting, I resigned the church uh, to train and equip teenagers full-time and mobilize youth groups and youth leaders, pastors, and church leaders to see teenagers as strategic mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to uh, reaching their generation. Jack Wurtson, who started Word of Life, 77 years ago said every generation has a responsibility to reach their generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, um, because two out of three people that come to Christ do it by the time they're 18, uh, why are we not putting two out of three of our financial resources to reaching and mobilizing teenagers with the gospel and children? So I just believe in the power and potential of young people. And obviously parents, moms and dads are right in the middle of, of, what it means to mobilize their own kids uh, to reach their friends with the gospel of Christ. Wow. That's awesome. So if I heard that right, your, your uh, proximity to Columbine being there in Colorado would have been pretty, pretty significant. That tragedy really, I can remember that. Uh, I was a young doctor in practice when that happened. And I remember just the shock of that for me, that was almost like a nine 11 moment. Like everything was different after that. Uh, after Columbine. That's very true. Yeah, I I knew a lot of the kids at Columbine High School, and my wife is a teacher in the same district. She's been a teacher for 25 years. And was at the time? And was at the time. And so, you know, I love the local church. I never saw myself leaving um, at the pastorate. I was always going to do Dare to Share on the side, but that was a turning point for me because I felt like the best way I could serve the local church is by helping them to view, energize, equip, and mobilize their young people to reach out. Because what what haunted me was a thought is, you know, the two shooters, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, where were the Christian kids? And and so we challenge and equip teenagers to reach out to the bad, the broken, the bullied, and the bullies. Greg, can I stop you for just one second? Can you just, can you go where, uh, your internet, Lock, we lost you for a second there. Can I? I but I, I don't want to miss what you said. Yes, it was um, a good quote. You were saying you basically were saying you know, and why don't you start with their names, and then you go into I think you yeah. said okay. where were the Christians or what, that. 
So let's yeah. pick that up. Got it. So, you're, you know, the two shooters, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, my question is, where were the Christian teenagers to reach out to them with the hope of Christ? Mm. Uh, and so what we do now is we, we equip uh, and inspire teens to reach out to the bad, the broken, the bullied, and the bullies with the hope of Jesus Christ, to look at their school as a mission field. And a lot of parents and pastors say, well, my, I don't know if my kids are spiritually mature enough to do that. But we believe if you really want to see spiritual maturity, you got to have skin in the game. The core call of discipleship is mm. to pick up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me. And there's nothing that puts skin in the game like relational evangelism. When a teenager reaches out to their peers with the gospel, they're putting their social lives on the line. And that will accelerate the discipleship process faster than any class or any camp. I think that's um, such a great point. And uh, let's, let's spend a little time on there because I'm sure that this is one of the challenges that you have. You kind of just mentioned it. The way parents and pastors view our kids are not necessarily ready for you know ministry. So let's spend a little time there t- speaking to parents out there listening or pastors in a little more depth about what you've seen as examples of teenagers working in their own peer groups, not only with the influence that it's had, but what it's done in their lives. Well, I'll tell you what it did in my life. Um, I was a fatherless kid from the hood in a very violent home. And all of a sudden, I had a dad, a heavenly father, who would never leave me or forsake me. What teenagers are looking for is security, and you get the security in Christ. Then I found significance because all of a sudden, I had a mission, and that was to make and multiply disciples. And I think we need to reframe the Great Commission as gospel activism. Uh, Gen Z is a very activist generation, and the ultimate cause is to reach somebody with the hope of Christ. And I I don't think that divorces itself from other causes. We say, hey, stop human trafficking and stop soul trafficking. You know, build them a house here on earth and build them one in heaven. Give them bread and the bread of life. Give them water and the living water. And to really make all of this a massive cause— and in the process, what happens is these teenagers begin to own their faith. You know, what I, I have uh, pastors or parents tell me, well, I just don't think my kids are ready enough yet. They're, I go, well, they need more Bible study? Uh, yeah, they need more theology? Yeah. How's that worked out for the adults in your church? Hmm. Are they actively sharing their faith and making and multiplying disciples? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. So I think we have a twisted form of discipleship in the Western culture. Um. When you look in the New Testament, the very first thing you did when you got saved, you got baptized, and your baptism was not hidden away in a church because there were no churches built. You are publicly in front of friends and relatives and and coworkers and neighbors saying, Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And that your first act was an act of evangelism. Baptism in that culture was evangelistic. It was sure. public, it was proclamation. So I think we got we to gotta turn that thing around and get our kids here on their faith. You know, Robert, uh, as he was talking, and I'm thinking about all of the um, tragic events that have become more and more frequent since Columbine, uh, yeah. shootings in schools and public places, um, and how parents are under the gun, if you will, no pun intended, to sort of explain their faith in those moments. And I think we get very uh, back on our heels as Christians when there's tragedy. And what I love about what Greg's saying is that he he's saying these are opportunities in right. disguise. These right. are these are moments in time where 
we can turn to our kids and say, you can make a difference in this time and in this place that is your school. That's right. And you can do that by actually being public about your faith. And I, I am a strong believer uh, personally and as a pastor that <laughs> discipleship is a doing thing. It's not a studying thing. Right. It's not academic. And so this, you know, the biblical model of going out with 12 guys for three years and teaching them and then releasing them to do it and have them come back and then, and then finally releasing them completely is so helpful, yeah. right? As a parent or a pastor, getting these people involved with actual behavior of their faith is a whole lot better teacher than anything we could give them from a pulpit. That's absolutely right. Greg, keep going, man. We are we are in the choir with you on this. We think that's well, the, the way to go. I love that. And I and um, if, again, if you look at Jesus as a model for youth ministry, Matthew 17, 24 through 27, Peter and Jesus and the disciples go into Capernaum, but only Peter and Jesus pay the temple tax, which is interesting until you cross-reference with Exodus 30, 14, which, which talked about the tabernacle tax only for those 20 years old and older. So all the disciples are there, but only Peter and Jesus pay, which means most likely they were, most of the disciples were under the age of 20. So I look at Jesus is a youth leader with one adult sponsor, right? <laughs> and and one really rotten kid named Judas. And with that youth group, he changed the world. He mobilized them. That was his youth ministry strategy was mobilization, not indoctrination. It was mobilization. It, he taught them along the way, but they were out doing it. We do a an annual event called Dare to Share Live, where we had just October 13th, we had 93 satellite sites across the nation live from Denver, but MCs in every room, trainers in every room, worship bands in every room. And then we train them and equip them all how to share their faith, thousands of teenagers, 500 churches participating. And then we all went out to share the gospel, collect canned food and share Christ. And those kids come back just like the 72 came back rejoicing. Mm. They come back rejoicing because they got skin in the game. Yeah, I like that. He keeps saying that. They've got skin in the game. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean yeah. by that. Uh, you've been doing this for a while. I mean, 25 plus years as a pastor, youth leader, running Dare to Share. You've written books. You've been on national TV. You've been a, a major speaker on, on significant platforms. My point is that you have a broad experience base to draw from for this next question. What is it that you're seeing is the greatest challenge to our generation right now? What is it you're seeing that's affecting kids the most? Well, you know, I think it's the same stuff that we struggled with when we were teenagers, but everything is accelerated okay. because of technology and, and social media. And part of that that's been accelerated is this mentality of uh, tolerance. And, um, you know, I think the message of Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Mm-hmm. The only way is is increasingly under fire. But I think technology has really accelerated the this entire conversation. And I you know, the good news is technology works both ways. You know, right. I mean, I, I think of Ben and I in the Old Testament, who was David's bodyguard, went up against a seven foot Egyptian and took his own spear from him and stabbed him with his his own spear. You know, Satan, standing up against us and has been using technology, I think we can, we can use it too. Works both ways. And I think 
I think we play too much defense as Christians. Um, we need to start playing offense. We have prayer, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the word of God. Uh, we have the church. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church and, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I think we need to use technology and everything else at our disposal to turn the tide and advance the kingdom of God to the next generation. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's, that, that is kind of in summary, what I'm hearing from you is, is stop playing defense. Let's, let's be proactive. And I was actually in a conversation this morning about this very thing. How as a church, we often, we do something great. And then we just go into this defense mode, like, okay, now let's kind of protect our territory. Let's make sure that we're not, we are not influenced by the world. Let's make sure that we incubate like our existence instead of continuing to, to see life as, you know, it's going to be messy. We just got to keep moving forward and being proactive instead of this posture of just trying to defend and I get it. You know, defending your faith is really, really important. That's that I get that. But what I'm hearing from you is like, yeah, that's one aspect of it. But we don't sit there defending our gospel. Defending the gospel is not just like waiting for people to come to us, but it's going to people, being proactive, and whether it be in word or deed, influencing this culture for Jesus, rather than just trying to protect us from being influenced by the world. Totally. I love. That. I think word and deed. We, you know, we look at the early church. And it was word and deed. Yeah, it was never word or deed. And I, I think we go in with love and humility, and we engage. I think this whole like, if you look at the LGBTQ kind of issues, the church is totally detached uh, from from that conversation. Instead of leaning in and saying, "Hey, yeah, we, you know, we believe certain things from Scripture are true, and we're 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 honest about that, but we also believe we love everyone, no matter what." Right. And we we reach out uh, to everyone with the hope of Jesus Christ, and then let the Spirit of God do the same work in them that He's doing in us to conform us to the image of Christ. Yeah, so we couldn't agree with you more. We actually had a uh, therapist on last year, uh, season four, um, who's been on Fox News and other places, and and he really sort of highlighted that point of engaging the culture, not being afraid of it. This whole idea of being bold, not afraid, but loving. This idea of not living on our heels, but leaning on forward, our weight forward into these issues. Um, that That's really the heart of, I think, anyone who's really engaging the culture. This idea that we're not running, we're not sticking our head in the sand, we're actually going to be a part of and an influence to our culture. Mm. So the question that's that's sort of been uh, wrestled with for Robert and I, and probably others as well, George Barna brought to us these statistics in his book Revolution, Revolutionary Parenting, and one of the statistics is that you know seventy to eighty percent of our youth are leaving the church uh, after high school, and I wondered, are you seeing those kind of stats? And if so, uh, what what could the church do different? to, to yes. change that trend. So I, I see that happening, but what we are experiencing at dare to share is when students get that security of a strong relationship with Christ, the significance of a mission and a real tribe, they we're not only losing kids, generally speaking, after they graduate, but usually the average youth group's got less seniors than juniors, mm, less juniors and sophomores. We lose them before they graduate. And I think it's because we're not giving them a mission and a vision of how God can use them. We're not calling them to great things. We're playing defense. 
and playing games. And, you know, to be honest with you, the kids have more fun on their phones than they do in a typical youth group. And so we say, listen, when you can mobilize your students for a cause that matters and you come every week to share stories about what God is doing and you worship together and you un- you kick the bucket over, over real cultural issues mm-hmm. uh, and you use the Bible to help mop it up and that becomes a, a storytelling kind of, we call it a gospel advancing ministry. We did a, a research project uh, about four years ago. We found seven values in every youth ministry that was thriving. Not only were they were they retaining their numbers, they were growing with 25% new disciples per year. Wow. Uh, and they all had the same seven values that were embedded and uh, in different ways, but they were there. Intercessory prayer was the number one defining characteristic. Hmm. They prayed for the lost and they prayed for each other. Um, secondly, relational evangelism. Students were reaching their peers with the gospel of Christ. Leaders fully embraced and modeled it. So the leaders were living out those values. A disciple multiplication strategy guided it. Um, A bold vision focused it. Biblical outcomes measured it. And ongoing programs reflected it. We cross-checked it it all with those seven values with a thousand pastors and youth pastors in 10 different demographics across the United States. Uh, Got double thumbs up. And then I cross-checked it all with the book of Acts. And I'm like, how have we received <laughs> this? Seriously, I was like, I, I don't want to trust a research project. And I love pastors, but I don't want to trust a thousand pastors. I want to trust what scripture says. And we've received a box of, of youth ministry and parenting, if you will, that's got really cool stuff in it. But these seven values were are hard to find. Hmm. And so we tell these youth leaders, and I would encourage parents the same thing. Listen, model these values out. Uh, I wrote a book called Gospelize Your Youth Ministry based on those seven values. And But it could be Gospelize Your Home. It could be Gospelize yeah, Church. Exactly. Uh, and we have a website called gospeladvancing.org where uh, you can kind of see wh- where you're at when it comes to those seven values and then find resources to help you. Man, I love that. That's so, not kidding. I, you know, one of the the struggles with parents is that we get overwhelmed by all the problems. You know, there's pancaking of culture, society, values, finances, just relational stress. I mean, the idea of engaging the culture is sort of 29 on the list. You know, you're really just trying to survive. And so what you've done is you've gone in and done like a good to great study for youth pastors and said, these are things that are in common and they happen to be rooted in biblical truth, so we can really put our weight on this. This isn't just a new technique. It's not a, a how-to. It's actually remembering the truth from Scripture and how that would look in a modern context. That's awesome. What's the name of that book again? It's called Gospelize Your Youth Ministry. Okay. And it's available on our website, Dare to Share. Actually, you can get a digital uh, copy for free on our website if you go to the daretoshare.org slash store. And you can just um, get a free digital download. You could buy a hard copy if you want, but you can get a free digital download. And I really encourage, if you're a parent listening to this, just imagine this being gospelize your your kids. Yeah. And th- just change illustrations out, and it works. Yeah. I, I've seen it work with my, my kids. I have two teenagers, and believe me, I've written 20 books 
I need to rewrite one on parenting. I want to call it prayer, <laughs> prayer and duct tape. You know, I used to have what I call a bowling philosophy. Like you follow the lines, you grow kids God's way, follow the lines and it will get it. You'll get a strike every time. Now it's like, I have a pinball philosophy, just prayer and keep pushing levers. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good analogy. And I couldn't agree but, with you more because young parents, we do think that if you just do this, 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 then this, then you're guaranteed an outcome. Yeah. And there's a lot of good stuff in those kinds of, of course. things. But, yeah. but I'm telling you, the, one of the things that has worked, both of my kids <clears throat> have a heart for the lost. Hmm. And um, just uh, two weeks ago, I, I, I did a conference on how to reach LGBTQ teens. And my son said, hey, why don't you meet with Lucy, one of my friends who's a lesbian and who kind of left her Christian school because of that issue. And so I was able to sit down and talk with her about, you know, I mean, where she's at, uh, real time worldview, what could win her back to Christ? You know what she told me at the end of a 45 minute conversation? Hmm. She said, I don't know what could win me back to Christ, but your son, Jeremy is doing a pretty good job. <laughs> and as wow. a dad, yeah, that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you know, and he just loves her and he's conservative as I am in these issues. But he cares about her, and he keeps pointing her to Christ. And that that offensive view, and not in a negative sense, but playing offense, yeah, uh, is is working with my kids because we've been able to plow through a bunch of stuff. My kids aren't perfect. I am far from a perfect dad, um, but because we have a heart for Christ and heart for His cause, we've been able to pound through a lot of stuff together, um, and not just play defense all the time. That's great. Yeah, I know. Uh, Robert and I are sort of just nodding our heads, you know, very, very vigorously supportive of everything you just said. Um, and I think uh, that comes from the perspective of being a parent for a while and seeing that there is no perfect silver bullet thing. Yeah, I mean, the duct tape and prayer isn't a perfect illustration of my parenting life. I know it would. Yeah, for, for Robert. Absolutely. I mean, any parent who's been through this knows that we are the minor player in that in that equation, and God is the major player. And mm. so, this idea that grace and faith really become the essentials of parenting for any parent uh, is a welcome reminder. Thank you for sharing that with us, Greg. You bet. Well, even an intercessory prayer is a first value. I mean. I want to stand on a wall for my kids and pray for them and pray for them to share their faith and live their faith and get them praying for their friends mm. so that we're, you know, again, playing offense, so not just great. defense. Well, we, we've been talking with Greg Steer. He's the uh, CEO and founder of Dare to Share. He's uh, author of over 20 books. He's very engaged and passionate about reaching teens with the gospel. Uh, he is uh, available online at daretoshare.org. Is that right? And uh, gospeladvancing.org. And we will have all of his information on the Brilliantly Brave podcast website as well. So he's been our guest today. You've been a fantastic communicator. We loved having you. Thanks for being here. (laughs) 
Well, we're very excited to announce a partnership with the guys that we know from Boise, Idaho, Robert. Yes, we are. New release today. They're fantastic. Very, very relevant for what's going on. If you want to discover new music in the Christian realm, that's kind of the only place to go. Yeah, and not only do they have amazing music and amazing reviews and just a lot of information about Christian artists, but they are creating with us a brand new devotional product call it IRL Resources. Do you know what that stands for, Brad? I found out. You did? What does it stand for? It stands for In Real Life. That's exactly right, Brad. Very good. In Real Life, because a lot of times we have these standard devotionals that you know that, that we see, and, and we thought that it would be kind of cool to use their expertise in Christian music, couple that with actual scriptural and devotional thought that digs you deeper, not only into the song, but incorporates it into real life. And so it's a very vibrant and very awesome resource for families and for pastors. Yeah, and so if you uh, have a preteen or a teen in your home and you're looking for a new devotional to do weekly, we have a digital subscription online at IRLresources.com. It's very inexpensive. The first study is free to check it out. There's nothing to lose. You should go there and see what's the latest thing in Christian devotional. Absolutely. You won't regret it. Well, Robert, uh, great guests. Yeah, I mean, there's just some guys that have that contagious passion, and uh, you felt it with Greg. Absolutely. There's no, there's no doubt he has sold out and has seen transformation right. in what he's doing. So, I mean, it's infectious. And I got so much from the interview. I just, I completely resonate with his idea of, you know, we said at the very end how he used to look at um, parenting as as bowling, as long as you line up the ball and you roll it down the right right down the middle, it's guaranteed to knock the pins down. And he wishes he could rewrite that book that he wrote before. And now it's more like a pinball game where you just release the ball and you just keep pushing yeah. levers until, <laughs> until you get it right. I mean, that is so exactly what parenting is like. You know, we think we got it all lined up and we yeah. even give other people advice on how to do it. And then like, wow, it's not actually that easy. Yeah. There, so I love the humility yeah. and the passion that he has for what he's doing. Yeah, and I, I, I was just struck. He he made a couple comments in there that, you know, when you hear something, it sort of kicks off in you an awareness. Like, how do we translate what we're doing to this generation? Mm. And he said something. We need to reframe the Great Commission as gospel activism. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and that, that tells me in one phrase that he's paying attention. Yeah. Like, he knows... His audience, he knows the students that he's working with. He knows the words that they respond to. Um, and you, you know, you can't fake that. So this guy right. is really living it and he's in the trenches. And then he teared up when he was talking about his son right. reaching out to this uh, LBGT teenage girl. Yeah. And just how proud he was of the fact that his love drove his evangelism. It wasn't yeah. a Bible-thumping approach. Right. It wasn't enforcement. No. This was a really sensitive, kind, understanding, humble approach. I, I was impressed. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. Well, we've been talking with Greg Steer today and Dare to Share. Greg went off the air and he shared a couple of really important things with us. Uh, and I want to make sure our audience hears about them. Uh, there are three apps that are free on his website. Uh, Dare to Share has an app. Gospel Advancing has an app. And then Life in Six Words is an app. And he went on to say that Life in Six Words is a really effective 
sort of gospel evangelism tool mm. where you're asked to summarize your life in six words and then turn around and, and offer the gospel in six words. So it's really easy to use. Real it sounds practical. like, yeah, very, very effective. And, um, it just seems like he's not, you know, he just casually mentioned he's written 20 books, right, exactly. you know, at the very end of that. Um, and he just, he doesn't seem to be about himself. He seems to be about this generation and really he's on, on point yeah. with uh with all his attention directed that absolutely way. he totally inspired me to to not only you know not only about the things that he was talking about but just in my own life like to sell out to like what we believe god has called us to do without any abandon you know which you can tell he has he's just all in yeah and i was also it was really it was sort of poignant for me to think all right this guy was <laughs> dramatically impacted by columbine and that tragedy started Dare to share. Which is often, if you think about our lives, you know, often it's trauma, disappointment, loss that that brings us to a place where we're like, enough. We've got to do something about this. And yeah, so, this is affecting me yeah. and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah. Right. Love it. Well, uh, as a wrap up, if you have a teenager and you're listening to this podcast, I would, I would presume that the Holy Spirit has uh, orchestrated this moment as a way for you to get some help. And I would encourage you to go to the websites and find these links, read his book. If you're a youth pastor and you're burned out or struggling and you're not seeing these sort of results in your ministry, I think it would be worth your while to study a little bit of what Greg's up to at Dare to Share. And I, I you know, Robert, you and I work with a lot of media people. We deal in the hype world. Yeah. This was not that. No, no. You can tell yeah. when something rings authentic. Yeah. So I, I don't even, I've never met him before. We don't get anything from this, but I would encourage you, if you're in youth ministry, if you're a parent with teens, you need to investigate this further. Absolutely. Couldn't agree All more. right. Well, for our regular audience, or if you're a first-time listener, we uh, are a nonprofit part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, and we rely on your support. So there's a way for you to donate uh, one time or a regular giver on our BrilliantlyBraveParenting.com website. And we also really could use uh, you sharing the word about us, just telling people that we exist, that we're on Facebook, that we're on Instagram, and that uh, they can subscribe for free on SoundCloud or iTunes. Yeah, it, it means a lot to us and it helps us spread the word. So um, we appreciate you doing that and we'll uh, see you here next week. Thanks. Absolutely. God bless. Be encouraged, parents, you are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. 
For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12 year old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Wow. So it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions, that really it's gonna, it's gonna establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith. That sounds very helpful, especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith, what they believe, what the voices of culture are telling them. If that's you and you're interested, go to iShineLive.com and check out in our web store, the Shock and Awe Study Guide. It has a digital cloud video base. So it's four studies in a small paperback volume for $9. And it has four videos that go with four studies. It can be done in a weekend. It can be done over a month or it can be done bi-monthly, however you need it. It is a fantastic resource that I have used as a pastor in my own home church, and I have been impressed. So check it out. Check it out.